Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. I'm Lenny, and today we're going to be talking about the topic of God is knocking on the door of every human heart. Um, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've probably heard this being said uh, by a pastor one time or, or another, and maybe a lot of times because it's a, it's a very commonly quoted uh, phrase. Um, and you you hear it a lot out there, and I've heard I've heard it from pastors that are just way off the mark when it comes to scripture, and I've heard it from pastors who are are really good with scripture. And uh, you you look at this, and uh, the the issue that I have with it is that you don't find it anywhere in scripture. And so if you don't find it in scripture, you know where where are you finding it? Where are you coming up with it? You know, as as teachers of the gospel. You know, we ought to be teaching things that are, are there, that are written about, that uh, we're teaching about the gospel. We're not making things up. And when it comes to that notion, it's it's impossible to believe that it wasn't made up when you hear it, because let's, well, let's just take a look at the passage where it's coming from. God is knocking on the door of every human heart is the, is the analogy, and they're trying to um, paint this as a picture that God is knocking on everybody's heart. All we have to do is open up the door, um, but let's take a look at the passage and see what it really says so that we can get some clarity on this passage once and for all. So in Revelations 3, uh, chapter three, verse twenty. We have uh, we have this this writing written to the angel of the church in Laodicea. So keep in mind, you know these these churches are going through heavy persecution. This is the end of the age, chaos going on, you know, and it, all these all these writings to these different churches were specific. There were two specific churches for one, and uh, they were they were written for a reason, and. Um, you know, I, it's my understanding that they seem to be uh, words of encouragement to the spiritual people going through many struggles in, in these churches because of the end of the age and all the chaos, as I said, that was going on. And so there, every, every, uh, every church had their issues. And um, this was like a spiritual wake-up call. And at the end, a reminder of if they keep holding out what they were going to get in the end. And it, and that's obviously salvation. That's Christ. That's the good stuff. But anyhow, let's, let's just take a look at the, the passage in the context of God knocking on the door of every human heart. So it is, is written to the angel of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, you know, for one, let's take this in context. He says, spit you out of my mouth. He's not saying that he's going to, he's going to reject members of his church, believers of his church. He's saying, spit them out of his mouth. <laughs> he's not saying spit you out of salvation or take away my salvation you know, he's just simply pointing out that they're lukewarm. And when something's lukewarm, it's not very enticing. It's not cold or hot. So he's, this isn't about salvation. Okay. So, you know, cause it's, it's definitely another, another often misquoted passage to say that we can lose our salvation and we got to act right. We can't lose our salvation. And, you know, we'll hear a lot of messages about that here if you're interested in that topic. Um, and we've already done plenty, uh, but there's, you know, a lot to be said about that topic. 
And there's nothing to be worried about if you're in Christ. The bottom line, he says that uh, you know, if my father won't let any uh, come out of my hand, and that's a good thing. You know, we have security. But anyways, moving on. You say I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and self to put on your eyes so you can see. So, you know, there was, there was something going on in their mentality that was just not that right, getting lazy-minded, kind of, you know, drifting away from the spiritual realm here. And so he's telling them to go after gold, refined, you know, his refined gold, not just the things of the world. To those I love, I rebuke and discipline. Well, there again, he's talking to his people here. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. He wants them to change their mindset back, get get back to spiritual thinking. They're they're drifting off into the into the, into the worldly realms, and so is this a spiritual wake up call? You know, if they weren't spiritual, they weren't going to wake up by this. So it's a spiritual wake up call for this church. And then he says, "Here I am. I stand at the door and knock." If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's certainly not talking about unbelievers uh, here because he's talking directly to a church of believers. So when he's saying, I'll come in and eat with you, what does it mean? Well, one thing that it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean he's going to come into their hearts because he's already there. He's already given them their new heart at that point and come inside of it, and he's dwelling in them. The indwelling of the Spirit has already occurred. So he's not talking on, about knocking on the doors of their hearts. It's not. Uh, it, it makes no sense. So he says, what he does say, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. So to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on the throne. He who has an ear, let him he let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, a spiritual teaching. So if they were not spiritual, they were not hearing this. So this was not written to unbelievers. This was written to the believers in the church, the spiritual. And, uh, you know, if somebody was not part of the believers, if they were not all in, like many of the people that the Apostle Paul refers to as they went out from us because they were never from us, you know, they wouldn't be getting this message. They wouldn't be hearing this message. They, they didn't have the ears to hear as is written. So, but he who overcomes, that's the believers. There's, there's no big hurdle here to the believers, to the ones with Christ and dwelling in them who, who overcome, they'll be sitting with him on the throne, you know, that this was certain to happen. He's he's reminding them. He's just another reminder of what they have in him, what's coming. Wake up, get out of the world. You know, look at what you have. You know, just another example of many passages in scripture that if you read them incorrectly can sound funny, but what he's really just telling them is just a reminder of what they have. And um, if, if they weren't, if they, if they weren't encouraged by that, they weren't spiritual. Who could not be encouraged by it? by a message coming coming from Jesus to them to to get them motivated come on you know of course they were, of course the believers were going to hear this this was this was good stuff bottom line though you know on the subject he's not talking about knocking on the doors of non-believers hearts 
So can we say that God is knocking on the door of every human heart? Yeah, we can say that, but there's no scripture to base to, to back it up. You have nothing. And you're actually just twisting and manipulating this verse in Revelations. And uh, you shouldn't do that just to support what you want to think about a topic. You know, I, I don't understand the, the problem people have with God's sovereignty. I don't get it. It was one of my biggest motivations to, to starting a ministry um, was that I, I can hear good teachings here and there, uh, but you never, you just never seem to hear the full gospel, full forgiveness being taught with full grace, with the full message of God's sovereignty. It, it always gets rejected somewhere along the way. And somebody, you know, is going to say things like, uh, you know, God's not an evil puppet master. We're not robots. And, uh, you know, God is not picking and choosing and making making God's sovereignty out to be silly and mocking his sovereignty. And that's just hard for me to stomach. I, I can't take it. You know, when I hear a good teacher, you know, they, they put everything in context and then just drift away when it comes to this because they don't want to let go of that little bit of pride that they're hanging on to. And we, we got to let it go. I encourage you guys, you know, just just let it go. Let God be God. It's okay. He's he's sovereign and that's okay. That's that's where we get that's where we get our comfort from. That's that's where we get our eternal security from. You know, let's not mock this. This is a serious thing. He he's not picking and choosing. That just comes from a a, a massive lack of understanding. So the reality that scripture teaches us is that God created the objects of his mercy in advance for his glory according to Romans chapter 9, verse 23. He created them in advance for his glory. You know, I mean, you're talking, we were, he He knew that he was going to create you for a, a purpose before Adam and Eve ate that apple. I mean, his, his plan is elaborate. We can't even begin to wrap our heads around it, but don't reject his sovereignty because you don't understand it. That's just not the right thing to do. Let's embrace his sovereignty. God is sovereign. God is great. You know, we always want to think that when things are <laughs> when are going bad, but when they're going good, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, I can do things on my own too. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a shaky road to go down. You know, if you look at passages and if you look at the passage in Romans, um, it, he says uh, it'd be chapter nine, verse ten. Uh, not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything, good or bad, in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not, <clears throat> not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, just as, as is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So he says that uh, before they were born and done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose and election might stand. I mean, you can say that's a Jew-Gentile passage. But you can't get around the fact that it still stands before they had done anything good or bad. God's purpose was already planned out. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? <laughs> the next question, you know, is he an evil puppet master? Are we robots? You can hear them asking Paul this. You can just hear it. Why else would he say that? Because it's one of the most important questions. If you're a Christian, you've asked this question. If God is sovereign, if God is in control of all things, is he unjust? That doesn't sound right. He sounds like an evil robotic puppet master. And uh, But what does Paul say? He says, not at all. 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not there depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. So when you when you promote free will, what are you promoting? Can you really say, can you really honestly, you know, look somebody in the eye and say, I don't believe that I did anything to earn this salvation? When you believe that you had to open up the door to a knocking God and uh, your your fleshly uh, mind and your fleshly heart was able to make that decision, uh, that's not scriptural. I'm sorry. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It's a beautiful passage. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now that is a message of messages. It's wonderful. But he's talking about, he's talking to Jews who didn't realize that the whole world was going to be, be given this uh, invitation to Christ. And uh, this is clearly a Jew-Gentile passage. He's just explaining that it's for the world, not just you guys. It's for the whole world. And um, there again in Hebrews, he says, uh, another one that's often used, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8. But what does he say before that? He says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So if this, if the, what's, you know, the first part of the passage saying, it says, so if the, as the spirit says, and if the spirit's saying it, who's going to be listening? This is a spiritual teaching. So who's going to hear it? If it's a spiritual teaching, everybody can hear it, but not everybody can understand it. You know, we, we learn that all through scripture, that the, that the apostles, the disciples, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying until the resurrection, until the Spirit came and taught them. And um, in Corinthians, it, it teaches us that. It says that uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. But that's after conversion. That's after regeneration. You know, we have the mind of Christ. Now we can understand the things of the Spirit. And um, so, the, I mean, that's a that's a, a wonderful thing. The Spirit opens our eyes. It's it's amazing the transformation, and you you just can't get enough of how amazing God is. He can completely change us. Everything. I mean, that we just don't even see things through the same lens anymore. And you just sit there and wonder, oh, is that because of a decision I made? Come on, let's not be silly. God is amazing. He changed you. He transformed you. He had a plan set out for you from the beginning of time. You weren't going to get hit by a bus, you know, because, you know, you were rejecting the message and uh, your whole life. And you could have had a chance, but you got cut short because you got hit by a bus. No, God's God's plan is not going to get cut short by a bus hitting you. If you are if you are predestined to be his, you will become his. And that's what's amazing about it. You can look back on your life in hindsight and be like, wow, 
look at all the things that could have gone wrong for me, but God made it right. This is awesome. <laughs> it's something to embrace. That's something to to give thanks for. That's a, that's a, a humble reality to realize how far you came from before you started to hate sin, before you started to want to get away from all that garbage and live a spiritual life, a good life with Christ inside of you, watching and being part of everything. It's just uh, you, you can't uh, you can't get around how good that is. He gives us a new heart. We needed it. We needed that. And we didn't, we would not have chose that on our own. We wouldn't have done that. And, uh, you know, if you believe that, you know, but you believe in grace, then, you know, I, I, I just challenge you to take a closer look because it's, it's much more comforting to know that every aspect of your salvation was in control from the beginning. There was not a chance of failure. You know, you, the problem, you, when people start to understand the, you know, the free will message correctly, they start to say things like, well, you know, God's will doesn't always happen because if we have a free will, think about it. You know, that means we're free of God's will. That means our will is like kind of up here and God's is down here. I mean, who's, who's is bigger? Whose will is bigger? Our will can actually override God's will. I mean, are you serious? Are you telling me that the apostle Paul could, could have decided not to be the apostle Paul? Come on. He told he said himself that he was set aside from birth. Let's not be silly here. You you Jesus didn't come by chance and, and all these things just took place. Come on. This is good stuff. Let's let's embrace it. Acts 13, uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 47. I made you I made you a light for the Gentiles. It starts out for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. All through all that were appointed to eternal life believed. What does appointed mean? Who's doing the appointing? That's a tough passage to, to put your pride into and, and say that I, I came to Christ. I made a choice for Christ. I received Christ. Uh, you can say you received him, but that's not, a, a, you know, you can't turn that into a physical act. Like I had to open my arms or I had to open the door. Otherwise it becomes unscriptural. Um, you know, you, you, you hear people really stretching, trying to prove these points, but, uh, as we're looking at here, these passages don't hold any water, you know, they're, they're very flimsy, very weak, and they don't teach you how to grow spiritually. They teach you the opposite, how to grow on your, on your own worldly accord. If you came to Christ in the flesh, then you still believe in the flesh and you're still holding some confidence in the flesh. And the apostle Paul said that uh, I, I put no confidence in the flesh, none. And uh, if he, if he came to Christ on his own behalf, he would have had to put some confidence in the flesh because he had a heart. He had a, a broken, uh, uh, evil, unbelieving heart when he came to Christ. Wouldn't, didn't he? No, he didn't. No, he was regenerated. That's the beauty of it. Um, so, you know, I just, I just wanted to end and sorry if this sounds sort of ranty and like a rant, I, 
you know, I wish I didn't even have to deliver this sermon because people that believe in grace, you know, it really seems like this shouldn't be such a stumbling block. You know, God did it all. It's all Jesus, none of us. It should go without saying, but it, but it's not. And uh, I just wanted to look at uh, a passage in the Old Testament. I know this is, okay, this is Old Testament, but, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, Job, who, uh, you know, was going through a bit of a bout of self-righteousness. He was getting a little high in his horse while he was going through many struggles. You know, he's really being put to the test. If you read, it's pretty short. It's a, you know, pretty short part of the Old Testament. But he was being put to the test and it wasn't pretty, but he'd be, he was he was challenging God and basically saying that, you know, I'm good. You know, what is kind of saying, what was what's wrong with your judgment? How can you see me this way? And um, it, it just really ties into God's sovereignty. And uh, so if you guys want to stick around and hear this, please do. It's pretty amazing, you know? So if, you, if you're questioning God's sovereignty, this could be speaking to you right now. So just, just have, just keep an open, open heart. Let, you know, ask God to open up your heart to this. And uh, let's take a look at what he says to Job when Job was proclaiming himself to be righteous. Uh, the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, who is, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone, while the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt? Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are, are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm, to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew, from whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the beautiful Pallades? 
Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the law of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats gave birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds and leave and do not return. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes? I gave him the wasteland as his home, the salt flats as his habitat. He laughs at the commotion in the town. He does not hear a driver shout. He ranges the hills for his pasture and searches for any green thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will he stay by your manger at night? Can you hold him to the furrow with a harness? Will he till the valleys behind you? Will you rely on him for his great strength? Will you leave your heavy work to him? Can you trust him to bring in your grain and to gather it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot compare with the pinions and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a flow of flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror with his proud snorting? He paws fiercely, rejoicing in his strength, and charges into the fray. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side, along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. As the blast of the trumpet, he snorts, aha! He catches the scent of battle from afar the shout of commanders and the battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings toward the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? He dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is his stronghold. From there he seeks out his food. His eyes detect it from afar. His young ones feast on blood and where the slain are, there he is. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. <laughs> and this just keeps going. And we might as well continue. <laughs> Brace yourself like a man. 
I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can you voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. <laughs> Look at the behemoth, which I made along with you and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins. What power in the muscles of his belly. His tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are close-knit. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs like rods of iron. He ranks first among the works of God, yet his maker can approach him with his sword. The hills produce him, uh, bring him their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants he lives, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal him in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround him. When the river rages, he is not alarmed. He is secure, though the Jordan should surge against his mouth. Can anyone capture him by the eyes? or trap him and pierce his nose? Can you pull in the leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? Can he make a pet of him like a bird or put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders barter for him? Will they divide up among the merchants? Can you fill his hide with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? If you lay a hand on him, you will remember the struggle and never do it again. Any hope of subduing him is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. I will not fail to speak of his limbs, his strength and his grateful form graceful form. Who can strip off his outer coat? Who would approach him with a bridle? Who dares open the doors of his mouth? Ringed about with his fearsome teeth, his back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each is so close to the next that no air can pass between. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. His snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like the rays of dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth, sparks of fire shoot out, smoke pours from his nostrils, as from a boiling pot over a fire of reeds. His breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from his mouth. Strength resides in his neck, dismay goes before him. The folds of his flesh are tightly joined, they are firm and immovable. His chest is hard as a rock. Hard as a lower millstone, when he rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat before his thrashing. The sword that reaches him has no effect, nor does the spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron he treats like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Arrows do not make him flee. Sling stones are like shaft to him. A club seems to him but a piece of straw. He laughs at the rattling of the lance. His undersides are jagged potsherds leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge. He makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him, he leaves a glistening wake. One would think the deep had white hair. 
Nothing on earth is his equal. A creature without fear, he looks down on all that are haughty. He is king over all that are proud. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is that, uh, who, uh, that, who is that, this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it, and it goes on, and uh, the, the Lord, uh, you know, accepts him as his servant, you know, after all his uh, uh, self-righteousness. And, uh, you know, the Lord's going to accept you too. You know, if you just... He, he doesn't want you to go on thinking self-righteous thoughts. God, God wants you to, to be able to have the peace and the, and the joy of his majesty and understand the things that he wrote in Job and to be able to just not understand, but just to be able to be in awe of the things that he wrote of here in Job. I mean, what amazing, what amazing creation that he created and uh, you know, we are at his mercy in every way. And uh, you know, he, he didn't owe us anything and he gave us everything. You know, we deserved uh, death, condemnation. Uh, we deserved all those things, but instead uh, we get what Jesus deserved, which is, you know, perf <laughs> eternal life, peace, everything that we have. You know, we, we got what he deserved because he took it for us. He took the punishment for us. And, and that is just awesome. You know, there's, there's the, uh, there's nothing to credit to ourselves there. The full grace message with nothing in its place is just not going to allow for it. We got to take away all human effort uh, out of salvation so that we can understand full grace and refuse to put anything in its place. The Apostle Paul said that he sets aside grace for he doesn't set aside grace. Uh, for, for um, you know, if, if it was by works, Christ died for nothing. So let's, let's look at things the way Paul did and so that we can transform ourselves to a true spiritual peace, a true spiritual understanding of the scriptures and stop saying silly things uh, that are unscriptural, like God is knocking on the door of every human heart. Let's, let's just get these things out of our heads and start looking at what the scripture says and uh, be, be, on a, be on the lookout. You know, there's there's good teachers out there that fall short in certain areas. And, you know, there is no perfect uh, doctrine. <laughs> you're, you're not going to, you know, you're looking around at all the all the different uh, denominations and doctrines. And yeah, you really what you see out there is just kind of a almost a circus of of all denominations picking and choosing what their rules are going to be. You know, we're going to be this because uh, we're going to follow these rules. And, you know, it's not about rules. It's about freedom. It's about grace. It's about being led by the spirit. And uh, so discern everything, you know, in the spirit, discern everything that you're learning, everything that you're taught. Um, even if the person sounds real good when they're saying it, you know, be on guard, make sure everything's scriptural. Be like the Bereans. They were considered to be noble because they checked everything in scripture to be sure it was true. You're not going to want to hide behind your pastor in the end. <laughs> You're going to want to be able to stand confidently before God, knowing that you you know the truth and that you know what's right and you you know what's false. Get rid of all falsehood. 
you know, the free will yeast is just going to work through the batch of dough. You know, you're going to hear it, little tidbits of it in every part of a message. And uh, there again, you know, I, as I said before, is one of the major reasons, you know, that I'm started into this ministry is because it's, you know, you just, why is it so hard to just teach full grace and not put anything in its place? So I'm going to end it here. And I, I hope you guys had a, had a good, uh, uh, good time listening here. And uh, my wife, Melissa, is going to be on board for our next one. And uh, we're going to hit some more topics and have some more fun talking about it. And uh, so we'll see you guys next time. And, uh, you know, if you want to subscribe to us, we'd love that. Check out our website at uh, wakinguptograce.com. You can reach out to us you know, from there. And, uh, you know, if you guys have any questions, want to, maybe you want to be on a call, maybe you want to talk, maybe you got some insight, maybe you have some questions about something that you heard in church, who knows, but, uh, you know, just we're here and, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. You guys have a good day and uh, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day.